0: You're listening to the Fertility Academy podcast, episode 17. Today, my guest is Dr. Jessica DuPont. We're going to be diving deeper into a very important aspect of fertility that's significantly under discussed the role of toxins and heavy metals. You don't want to miss it, so stay tuned. Welcome to Fertility Academy, a podcast where we provide you with information and tools to help you optimize your fertility to grow your family no matter where you are in your fertility journey. We offer interesting, creative, and evidence-based information and give you practical tools to help you get closer to your goal of building a family. I'm your host, Michelle Kapler. I'm a fertility-focused acupuncturist and Chinese medicine practitioner, board-certified fertility specialist, and fertility coach with over 10 years of experience helping my patients build their families. I'm so glad you're here with us. Let's get on with the episode. Hello and welcome everyone, I'm so glad you're here with us today. I'm really excited to share today's interview with you because I believe that environmental health is a really important consideration when it comes to fertility, and it's rarely discussed in the typical medical fertility clinic setting. Today my guest is Dr. Jessica Dupont, a naturopathic doctor with years of experience in the fertility specialty. We're going to be talking specifically about toxins and heavy metals and how the exposure to these things might negatively impact your fertility. We'll talk about how people are getting exposed to these toxins, the role they might play in unexplained infertility, how it doesn't just stop with us, but may affect future fertility, future pregnancy, future health, and the future health of our children, how people can get started with minimizing exposure to toxins and repairing past effects of toxins, how far in advance people should address this issue before trying to get pregnant, and so much more. But before I play the interview, I want to share Dr. Jessica's bio with you. Dr. Jessica Dupont is a naturopathic doctor, birth doula, fertility strategist, and mother of two boys. Her practice focuses on hormonal regulation, women's health, fertility, and perinatal care. Dr. Jessica has made it her mission to empower women worldwide to embrace their divine feminine power, take control of their health, and realize their optimal health potential so they can feel energetic, vibrant, and beautiful from the inside and out. It's her belief that by educating and supporting healthy women and mothers, we have health healthier children and healthier communities. Dr. DuPont is the founder of York Region Naturopathic Doulas and the creator of the noteworthy online fertility program, Baby Boomers. So without further delay, let's play my conversation with Dr. Jessica DuPont. All right. Hi, Dr. Jessica DuPont. Thank you so much for being here on the podcast with us today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So I've already read your professional bio in the introduction but if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your practice, that'd be great. Sure,
1: so I am a naturopathic doctor and a birth doula, just like you said, and my practice focuses primarily in women's health, hormones, fertility, and pregnancy. So I feel like I see everything from kind of preconception through pregnancy, and then sometimes I attend women's births as well, and then moving through the postpartum period. So everything revolving around babies. And um, as a naturopath, I do a lot of acupuncture, I do a lot of nutrition and lifestyle canceling, we do supplementation. So there's quite a few different things that we do. And we really kind of look at that individualized approach. So n- not looking at as everyone as the same and giving them the same treatment protocol, because everyone is different, especially when it comes to fertility and pregnancy. Um, And looking outside the box, too, because there's so much in medicine that I feel goes undiscovered. And there's a lot of things out there that we know that maybe there's not a huge amount of research on, but we know could be affecting health. And so we do we do kind of look at that root cause. Um, So my practice, I try to look outside the box a lot. I am a plant-based foodie as well. So I am plant-based. My family's plant-based. I have two boys, myself, whose births went completely different. (laughs) And uh, I kind of got into this by, um, I always wanted to actually be an obstetrician gynecologist. And I got sick myself in my 20s. And I was introduced to a naturopath and she just changed my life. And so I kind of went on this path of being a naturopath. And uh, I started seeing a lot of pediatrics in my practice at the beginning and kind of Going into pediatrics, obviously, we saw a lot of ADD, we saw a lot of autism, and a lot of just behavioral issues. And then I started deep diving into, okay, what's causing this? And this is where toxins and heavy metals kind of came into my world and learning more about that. And so I started kind of heading deep diving into research around that, which led me more so into pregnancy, of course. And then, of course, seeing a lot of pregnant women, then you start looking at the fertility aspect. And so and of course, those toxins and heavy metals kind of filter through way down the line, like generations ago, and how and generations and generations of toxins of heavy metals are getting into our bodies and affecting our children. So yeah, yeah amazing. Thank you for that. And I think it's
0: really important to have this conversation as much as we can, because it is one of the under discussed aspects of health that really has a huge impact on fertility. So I think it's super important to have this conversation all the time and spread the word, because it's actually not well, it can be overwhelming to, to have this knowledge, but there's actually a lot that we can do to try to combat what's going on. So let's chat a little bit about heavy metals and uh, toxicity. So how does that affect fertility, both from the person with eggs and ovaries side of things and the person with sperm side of things?
1: Yeah, so environmental toxins and heavy metals are everywhere. And that's something that people need to know is that they are everywhere. It's impossible to eliminate them completely from our bodies. But like you said, there are things that we can do to sort of reduce our exposure and things like that, which we can get into later on as well. But from a fertility point of view, environmental toxins can wreak havoc on our reproductive systems in four main ways. So one of them being endocrine disruption, that's one of the biggest ways, so affecting our actual hormones and what they're doing. It can also cause damage to the female reproductive system, there could be damage to the male reproductive system. And then it can also cause impaired fetal viability so linking to things like miscarriage or genetic anomalies and things like this so this damage not only decreases natural fertility but decreases the success rates of IVF and IUI as well and not a lot of people know about this or it's not talked about and these toxins and heavy metals are linked to things like endometriosis and PCOS which we know are two of the most common um diagnosis related to infertility in women, they lead to low sperm count, motility and morphology, um, a- aging eggs. So we know that our eggs age, you know, naturally as we as we age. But when we start seeing really low AMH levels or really um, you know, when we see kind of this aging in our eggs take place way before our time, right? Then we know that the toxins and the heavy metals are at play here and wreaking havoc on that. Um, And like I said, they can lead to frequent miscarriage as well. So when it comes to endocrine disruption, um, endocrine disruptors for people who don't really know are chemicals that bind to our uh, hormone receptors. So they look like our our hormones. And they're found in our skincare products, our cleaning products. They're found in the foods that we eat, in our birth control, in our medications. They are found everywhere. And when they bind to these receptors, they kind of send these unintended signals to our ovaries or to our pituitary gland and then they'll affect our body's um, natural hormones and what they're intended to do. And so these endocrine disruptors are related to things like the PCOS and blood sugar dysregulation, which we know affects ovulation in women. Um, The worst fertility disruptors are things like PCBs, BPA. So some women and some people know about those. There's actually studies that show that women with the highest levels of PCBs have a serious like 50% decrease in their ability to get pregnant. And if they become pregnant, have a much more... Um, higher rate of miscarriage. In women undergoing IVF, those with higher levels of BPA have a 200% more likely to have um, implantation failure. So definitely huge there. Um, And BPA doesn't only uh, affect egg quality and embryo development, but it can also affect male fertility as well, decreasing spermatogenesis and decreasing motility and morphology. Same with phthalates, right? So phthalates are things that are found in our toys. They're found in food processing, body lotions, and uh, those lead to lower pregnancy rates, number of eggs retrieved when it comes to egg retrieval, and linked to higher levels of sperm damage or DNA damage. So that's just kind of on the toxin side of things. And uh, then there's heavy metals, which are like a completely whole other other thing, right? So heavy metals are also everywhere and unavoidable. But when they become toxic in our systems, what's happening is um, our bodies have a hard time dealing with them now. It's just kind of this overburden on our liver and our liver can't take care of these heavy metals anymore. And these heavy metals are depositing in all of our tissues, not just our reproductive organs. And they're affecting the neurological system and the digestive system. And we see this in our kids. And the most um, dangerous of the heavy metals when it comes to fertility is mercury, lead, uh, arsenic, and cadmium. So um, we know that as the heavy metals kind of oxidize over time, this will lead to inflammation and damage to the surrounding tissue. So it will lead to, you know, more oxidative stress on our eggs. Um, It will lead to problems with um, just IVF success. And again, the morphology and motility of sperm and sperm count, um, egg quality, like there's just so much information now around these heavy metals. So I can go into some studies, but I know I've been talking a lot. <laughs> no, it's great. It's all good sure information. So I just around it, but uh, but yeah, it's just I feel like it's just so under. Uh, t- it's not talked about, which is unfortunate. But there's again, like you said, so much we can do, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I can't wait to get into that with you later. But as you went on uh, this conversation earlier, a couple of really interesting things came up for me. You mentioned earlier about the low AMH in younger women. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I'm seeing all the time in my clinical Mm -hmm. practice right now. And it's just mind blowing how, you know, I on a very regular basis, on a weekly basis, I'm seeing people come into the clinic where they're 30, 31, 32, and their AMH is below zero. And Mm -hmm. it's so interesting to see this phenomenon emerge. And so, you know, my, I guess... To put it politely, um, I think it's interesting that there's so much research linking this as a possible cause for this, but yet it's a conversation that just never
1: happens in fertility clinics. Mm -hmm. It's just never addressed. (laughs) Right. And these women are diagnosed with either, you know, premature ovarian failure, or some people are just diagnosed with unexplained infertility, which is just a bogus diagnosis, in my opinion. Yeah, (laughs) it it really just means undiagnosed. (laughs) Yeah, that they haven't found the problem yet. And, and of course, like we know that, well, there's a lot of things that they haven't looked into, like, you know, stress and lifestyle factors and diet, nutrition, and then of course, the toxins and heavy metals. And so, um, I do think that being younger, when I see this in younger women, I really look at, okay, have they been on birth control, right? And usually these women have, and they've been on birth control for more than 10 years of their lives. And so you're putting these medications in your body, you're putting chemicals in your body. We're also exposed to heavy metals and toxins in our lifetime, but we know that these toxins and heavy metals are passed down from our parents and our grandparents. And so we can't just blame, you know, the exposure we've had you know, we also have to look at, well, what other chemicals could have been in our body from when we were born, which is scary to think about, but there are things we can do. So women shouldn't be so concerned about it, <laughs> if that makes sense.
0: Well, I think there's a couple of ways that you can look at that. I mean, you can look at it as something that's big and scary and intimidating, but it can also be really empowering to know that we have the ability to change the course of the health of our future children. And we have the ability to make these choices in our lives to be able to positively impact future generation. Because my goodness, there's so much that is completely out of our re- control right now, you know, COVID being a very good example of that. And, uh, you know, it was something that I think about on a really regular basis is the effect of all of these sanitizers and chemicals and wearing masks all the time. And there's obviously a purpose for it, and it's necessary. But I do kind of think sometimes all of this chemical exposure happening to us on a very regular daily basis, where we're, you know, putting these chemicals that we otherwise wouldn't really become coming into contact with on our bodies all the time and also onto our children. So, you know, there are things like that where there aren't, we really kind of have to wear the masks and we have to use a sanitizer right now because that's just the way it is. But it's a positive thing to know that, that there are things that we can do to kind of, um, I don't want to say combat because that's kind of violent, but, you know, kind of push back against the negative effect of all of these things that are most
1: recently in, in our lives. Right. And I'm so glad you brought up COVID right now and hand sanitizers and that kind of thing, because I don't know if you've noticed this in your practice, but I have noticed that the amount of infertile couples coming into my practice has grown exponentially since COVID has started. And I'm I mean, could it be partly linked to the toluene that's in hand sanitizers, which we know toluene affects our hormones? We know it affects the mitochondria of the egg cells. And so Could it be that? Could be the added stress? So I think there's quite a few factors there. But something else that I've noticed is just this increase in preterm birth, right? So women going into labor way earlier than they're intended to, an increased rate in cesarean delivery. Um, So just all of these things I'm seeing kind of spiral now. And I don't know if it is related to you know, the hand sanitizers and and things that we are putting on our bodies or the stress. But it's interesting that you brought that up because I think that people should know that the hand sanitizers aren't chemical free, right? And that is being absorbed into your skin. Everything we put on our skin, 70% is absorbed. And so you have to think if you're putting that on your children's hands as well, right so i think one thing that i one thing that i always kind of express to my patients is that it's the alcohol content in hand sanitizers that are working for you so you can literally take 70% alcohol and just use that as a hand sanitizer or there's beautiful natural hand sanitizers out there now that don't have toluene and don't have a lot of these chemicals in them and so finding those on the market using you know thyme as essential oils you know, products in your home that are just vinegar and water can be extremely beneficial, they don't have to be expensive. And you don't have to worry about the chemicals that your, you know, your babies are crawling on in their home, or that you're putting on your hands as you walk down your railings in your home.
0: Mm -hmm, For sure. Mm -hmm. And there's definitely a time and place for sanitizers. I think that, you know, when you're at the grocery store, yeah, you probably want to sanitize your hands. But I think it's become this cultural thing where we just think it's the be all end all to sanitize Mm -hmm. our hands all the time whereas washing your hands with soap and water is just as effective and if not more if if not not more more. (laughs) and that can be done with a natural soap and some good friction and elbow grease and you know that can be a practice that you add into your daily routine when you're at a place where you have access to soap and water again if you're at the grocery store or you know somewhere in public where that's not an option then that's fine but there are little ways that you can reduce exposure which actually leads me to the next thing that I wanted to touch on. Let's get into some of those ways that we can uh, do our part to reduce our toxic load on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, so I mean, the first thing is obviously reducing exposure. And so that's understanding kind of where you're getting the exposure from. So lead and things like lead could be found in older homes, you know, if you're renovating an older home, you want to make sure you're using protection, like face masks and things like that. Um, But they can also be found in things like Um, Traditional remedies. They can be found in jewelry and imported pottery. And so, if you're eating from, for example, bowls that are made of pottery, which I love pottery and I think it's such a beautiful thing, but you have to be careful of lead that's potentially in that, right? And you're eating from that. Um, Things like cadmium found in rechargeable batteries or plastic production, organ meats as well. So, one of the best things we can do, I think, is kind of just looking at the products we have in our home. Making sure that maybe we're replacing some of those products with more natural alternatives, more eco green alternatives. Like I said, they don't have to be expensive. It could be vinegar and water that you're using to wash your floors or clean your countertops. Skincare products are a big one, right? There are a lot of hormone disruptors in our makeup, which is really unfortunate. The UK has done a really good job at removing a lot of these endocrine disruptors. They have removed over 300 chemicals from skincare products. Um, where the US, unfortunately, has only removed 30.
0: And so there's a lot
1: of, I know, there's a lot of people trying to lobby now getting endocrine receptors out of skincare products, because they're like, if we know these things are causing cancer, if we know these things are wreaking havoc on fertility, and women's health and male health, why are we still putting them in our skincare products? I just, I don't understand it. So there's people lobbying to do it. But one thing you can do is just make sure that you're looking at really clean companies and really clean skincare products. Um, You have to be careful of greenwashing which is like a whole other thing, <laughs> but, you know, companies claiming that they're organic or a hundred percent natural when, but anybody can put those on labels, right? Anybody can put green on their label. Um, you have to look for that certified eco or certified organic on labels and, uh, So you just do the best you can with those kind of things. So starting to clean out your cupboards and and clean out your, you know, what you're putting on your skin. When it comes to nutrition, looking at organic as much as possible. Now, it doesn't mean that every food you eat has to be organic. No. So one place you can easily start is by just removing the dirty dozen, which if you don't know what that is, it's like the 12 common foods that are the highest in pesticides, right? So you can Google the, the the dirty dozen and those 12 foods, you should probably always buy organic.
0: I'll make sure that um, I link the dirty dozen in, in the show notes for everybody in case they don't have that perfect. on hand.
1: Yeah. And a good rule of thumb is just, you know, if the thicker the peel, the better. So if something has a really thick peel, like an avocado or banana, it probably doesn't have to be organic, but if something is growing directly in the ground, like onions or potatoes directly with the soil That should probably be organic. And if you're having like berries, you know, or apples, things that you can't really peel and take away you know, a lot of those pesticides, then you might want to bot- think of buying those organic as well, your dark leafy greens. Um, staying away from aluminum cans, right? Because aluminum cans, are, you, you can absolutely get... I, I, I can't tell you how many patients I'm getting toxic in aluminum. You know, we do heavy metal analysis, and I'm seeing all this aluminum on the rise, and I'm like, what's going on here? And it's this increase in the... You know the bubbly drinks? <laughs> oh, yes. So all these people are buying these or hand... Um, sparkling water beverages. The low calorie flavor only. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh my goodness. And their kids are coming back high in aluminum and we couldn't figure it. We're like, are you using aluminum pans? Are you using aluminum cookware? Like, what is it? And we couldn't figure it out. And she's like, well, I drink like eight bubblies a day. Could that be it? And I was like, oh, well, yes, that could be it. Wow. So it's really interesting. It's stuff we don't think about, right? It is. So, and I, I think
0: that's an interesting point to bring up as well that, um, you know, it kind of goes under the heading of greenwashing in that, you know, those carbonated flavored beverages, just because it says that it's natural flavor doesn't mean that it isn't a chemical and it doesn't mean that it doesn't have a negative impact on our body. So, you know, for example, uh, a local nutritionist, Megan Telpner, talked about how natural raspberry flavor actually comes from the anal gland of a beaver. And so, you know, it's really just about kind of thinking about... Well, maybe we could just drink water, you know, squeeze some lemon in there, squeeze some lime in there, put some mint leaves in, you know, it doesn't have to come from a lab. In fact, I think it's better if it doesn't.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And so and if you don't want to get that aluminum in cans, then buying your beverages in glass, right? So getting glass bottles, even for your Tupperware is making sure you're avoiding the plastic and trying to opt for glass, your cookware could be, you know, cast iron, or you want to make sure they're aluminum free as well. So there's a lot of things that we can do to just reduce our exposure, of course, and we could go on for days, I'm sure, (laughs) like what you can do to take everything out, but it could become overwhelming. Um, But then the next step is getting the toxins out, right? So the toxins that you have in your body already, how are you going to get those out? And uh, we could go into that too. So yes, let's talk about getting the toxins out of your body. Yes. So... One of the things, I mean, the biggest thing you can do is take care of your liver, right? So, our liver is our major detoxifying organ, and we want to make sure that we're getting these toxins out prior to conception if we can. One, to enhance fertility, but also to make sure that we're setting our children up for the best outcome as well, and making sure that we're setting up for a healthy pregnancy. So, Cleaning out the liver is one thing and you can do that with nutrition and dietary changes, you can do this with um, castor oil packs and all these other amazing things that you can do to help encourage your innate kind of detoxification. So, Uh, And then there's, of course, herbs and things like that, which you know about Michelle too. So there is, But of course, you don't want to do herbs and supplementation without the help of like an herbalist or acupuncturist or um, a naturopath. You just want to make sure you're taking things that are safe for you. Absolutely. Please
0: don't go on Amazon and just, you know, order the detox kit. Please talk to a practitioner to make sure that it's appropriate for your objectives and your health picture.
1: Yes. And, And the thing is, what a lot of women don't know is that Detox may not be safe for everyone. And especially if you're currently trying to conceive, you want to make sure that you're detoxing safely, because toxins will move through your body to the placenta if you do fall pregnant. So you want to make sure that a good three months prior to conception, you want to clean out your body, you want to make sure your partner is cleaning out their body to make sure that they're reducing their heavy metals and toxins within the egg and within the sperm as much as possible before trying to get pregnant. However, if you are currently trying to get pregnant, there are safe things we can do. I love adding spirulina to my patient's regimen. Spirulina is an amazing edible blue-green algae. It's great for removing heavy metals directly from the brain, the central nervous system, the liver. It's so... It literally soaks up um, mercury and heavy metals. Barley grass juice powder is another one. I don't know if you've heard of that one, but it actually prepares mercury for complete absorption from the spirulina if you take them together. So it's another kind of nutritive grass. It helps actually remove um, heavy metals directly from the reproductive organs. In women. So I love that. And these are things that you can add to a smoothie. You can just add them to water or a juice to take every day, just doing a couple of teaspoons a day. Cilantro. I love cilantro. Cilantro is an, one that actually goes really deep into um, mercury or heavy metals from past generations. So not just kind of like the recent exposure you might have had, but it really digs deep and goes and looking for that old. Kind of uh, mercury and heavy metals that might be sitting deep into your digestive tract or in the brain tissue. Um, Another one I love is wild blueberries. It sounds like a smoothie recipe. It it is. There is definitely a smoothie recipe that you could do this with, of course, and you could put this all together. uh, But you don't have to, as long as you're getting them all kind of in your diet on a daily basis. So whether you choose to do a smoothie with some of the ingredients and then just add cilantro onto like a burrito or into some like guacamole later on during the day, that's totally fine. Cilantro pesto, one of my favorites. Yeah, right. And so what these do is they act as binders. So they bind to the heavy metals, but they won't let them go into the bloodstream and they won't let them go into the placenta, where a lot of the heavy metal detoxes on the market or a lot of the supplements on the market will detox the liver. But what happens is the toxins will kind of remain free floating within the bloodstream for a day or two before they're eliminated through the bowels. And at that time, it has time to go to the brain tissue. It has time to go through the placenta. It has time to go to your reproductive organs. So you just want to be careful with that if you are currently trying to conceive, That's why I like these ingredients because they will bind to them. They won't let them go into your bloodstream and they will just let them go into your bowels or your urine when it's ready to do that. So it can be very safe even during pregnancy to do. That sounds super magical. I love it. Mm-hmm. I know. I give it to my kids. Like as soon as they turned six months and they were ready for food introduction, I was like, time to introduce this smoothie. Time to have some spirulina. Let's nice. just, like, do as much as we can. Right? Amazing. So to mm-hmm. recap,
0: you're saying that people should ideally look to cleanse and detox for three months leading up to when they want to get pregnant. But if they are pregnant, then they can do these more food-based um, approaches to detox.
1: Absolutely, and the reason I say three months is because the cycle of your egg is ninety days, right? So by the time it matures and ovulates, it's about three months. And the cycle of sperm is seventy-two days. So if somebody were to get pregnant today, they're getting pregnant with the health of, I guess, as healthy your egg is as healthy as you were three months ago. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So if somebody's comfortable with that and saying well 3 months ago i was i was detoxing i felt amazing and i had the best diet ever then great but if you didn't <laughs> and, you know and you were low energy and you were maybe overweight or dealing with pcos and endometriosis and all these other things you might want to take a break from trying clean out your eggs as much as you can. And then when you are feel confident that your eggs are in like the healthiest state possible, then it's go time. <laughs> go time. Love it. That's
0: perfect. <laughs> so one thing that's coming up for me is that, um, you know, I have a conversation about this dynamic pretty often on the podcast, but I found that um, the women or the people with eggs and ovaries often come in and they're the ones who are doing all of the acupuncture and all of the diets and taking all the supplements and they're, they're the ones doing all of the things. Things, even though it's 50% of the equation and the other 50% of the equation is the person with the sperm. And so I see a lot of, well, I'm just doing all of this work, but yet my partner um, doesn't want to quit smoking, doesn't want to quit drinking, isn't interested in changing their personal care products. And so if you could kind of let us know, what is there maybe a hierarchy of changes you can make? Is there kind of one thing that if somebody wanted to suggest the change to their partner that might have the biggest impact on this type of thing?
1: Absolutely. Um, I think when it comes to the partner, I always say dietary changes, right? So dietary changes are usually kind of the step one. And that's kind of like getting foods out that could be causing, like wreaking havoc. So foods that could be causing inflammation, foods that are contributing to heavy metals and um, feeding viruses, right? So we know that heavy metals feed viruses and these viruses are linked to infertility. So eating diets that are low inflammation, high antioxidants like kale and spinach and berries, so especially if they're very resistant to things like supplementation, if they were open to supplementation, I'd be like, great, let's do like a liver product. Let's clean out their livers as much as we can. And that would be like, yay, let's do that. Uh, but if they can incorporate, you know, the wild blueberries and the cilantro and the spirulina Atlantic dulse flakes, and these things on a daily basis, then you can feel confident that they're at least getting a lot of the toxins and the heavy metals out. So that would, that would be kind of step one for me. And just kind of really... Showing them the research around cigarette smoking and marijuana smoking, cigarette smoking is decreases male fertility by as much as 30%. Same with marijuana use. It results in decreased sperm density, total sperm count, number of motile sperm, and I see it like crazy. Yep especially since it was legalized here in Canada. I know. And I think we just have to take care of our livers a little bit more. We have to give our livers a break. We are adding way too much. Our livers are basically trying to filter everything we're taking in on our diet. It's trying to filter everything from the environment, from medications we're taking, And it just becomes, they become these overflowed, smelly garbage cans, (laughs) you know, and then they can't do its job properly. And this is where we start seeing insulin resistance and there's too much fat around the liver. So if we could even just decrease our fats by 50%, and I'm all for decreasing animal fats by 50% because we know those are the ones that are building the fat around the livers. By just doing that, we can give our livers such a break and our livers can do their jobs. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So if we can just start there, they don't have to go on massive supplement protocol. They don't have to do all these you know, other things. But if they could just do one thing, it would be like, let's change up the diet a little bit. Let's kind of take out the inflammatory foods, decrease the fats around our livers and give our livers a break.
0: That's really good advice. And it sounds it sounds doable.
1: Absolutely. I think so. And like, I'm all for if you're already making yourself a smoothie with all of these ingredients, just make extra for your partner as well. <laughs> it tastes good. They don't have to know what it's for. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and just, just be like here, honey, I made you a smoothie and it has bananas. It's fantastic. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh,
0: so, yeah. so good. But, Thank you for sharing that. And um, do you have smoothie recipes on your website that people can access?
1: I do. I actually have a link to a heavy metal detox smoothie right on my website that I can send you and you can link in the show notes. Okay, perfect. And then women can know that they're getting in like the right amount of the spirulina every day. You can put it all into one thing. It tastes delicious. And so you don't have to worry about getting in all the ingredients separately, which is nice. Perfect.
0: That'd be great. Yeah. If you send that over, I will definitely link it in the show notes. Um, So thank you so much for being here with us today. You gave us so much good information. Um, I will say that um, this can be a really intimidating topic. And so reaching out to somebody and consuming their free material, so dr jess's blog or something like emma's program where she has a ton of free amazing easy to digest information out there she has a podcast called the missing pillar of health it can really help to kind of de-intimidating eyes this subject because it can be a little bit scary so take a breath and uh, maybe listen to one of emma's episodes and uh, make a detox smoothie from Dr. Jess's website. (laughs) Uh, But if people want to continue the conversation with you or possibly even work with you, because I know that you do inpatient care as well as virtually here at Ontario, how would you want people to reach out to you and get in touch with you?
1: The best way to reach out to me would either be through my Instagram. So you can put the handle there. My Instagram account, I'm pretty active on. Uh, You can also go to my website and reach out to me through the contact page. Um, I also do host uh, online programs as well. So for people who are looking to cleanse for fertility, I do host a pre-pregnancy detox and uh, fertility detox a few times throughout the year. So I'm just finishing up one now, and there I will start another one probably uh, towards the end of the spring. And uh, so that's something that women could look into or couples could look look into. I have an online fertility program that people could look into. So these are things that people can just do from the comfort of their own home if they're not ready for that one-on-one yet, if they're kind of wanting to do something a little bit more laid back and, you know, in, in a group or something like that. But probably the best way is just kind of heading over to the website and uh, just going onto my Instagram page. You could find me there. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah, And thanks again for being here. And we'll look forward to having you back again soon. Thank you so much. This was very, very, I love this conversation. And I'm always open to talking about fertility and pregnancy with you. And it's always such a fun conversation. So thank you so much for having me.
0: Agreed. So that's it for me today. Thanks so much for being here. As promised, I'm going to link all of the info discussed today in the show notes. I'll be back next Wednesday with another episode. Until then, take care. Thank you for joining us on Fertility Academy. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you loved our content today, please be sure to leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share it with someone who you think might find it helpful. Don't forget to subscribe to be the first to be notified of new episodes. A new one comes out every Wednesday. To keep in touch with us and to continue the conversation you can find us over on instagram at fertility academy or join us on our private facebook group the fertility academy community